we bow before your throne right now as we have been reminded again that you are a conquering king, that you are all-powerful, almighty, and that you sent your son, your obedient son, to come to earth in order to bring sons and daughters to glory. Father, this morning, we thank you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, as we take a few minutes to think about that this morning, help me to unpack it for each one of us, Lord. Open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds, Father, that we may understand with deeper clarity how precious, how mighty, how good it is that our King and Savior does not change. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a verse in Micah 5, verse 2, that says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be a ruler in in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. Bethlehem was outside of Jerusalem. Not very far. But Bethlehem was known as the place where they raised the lambs for sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. And it's so unique that outside of the city, outside of where the king lived, where Herod lived, and and the center of commerce, this little town prophesied uh, in Micah and elsewhere that Bethlehem, of all places, would be the place where the one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel, and his goings forth were from long ago, from the days of eternity, or as in the ESV it says, from the ancient of days. That means in time past. And here in the book of Hebrews we, that we've been preaching through and teaching through for all, most of the year, and we've been looking at who Jesus is, and that he is, the, he is better than anything else, and he is the ex- exact representation of God himself, and he came to earth. Why? Did he come to earth? And why is it important this morning that the writer of Hebrews emphasizes with great emphasis that Jesus Christ is the same? Now, let's just back into our world for a little bit this morning. What stays the same in your world? Nothing. A few years ago when we elected a president, it was all about change because we felt we needed change. And a lot of things are changing. And you may be here today in the midst of change that's just got your life ripped apart. I would guess that most of us within the last month have had something like that happen to us where it just kind of just destroys our schedule, destroys our day, destroys everything that we want to happen this week or last week or whenever it was. Are you with me? I mean, stuff happens. It hits the fan. It's not fun. It's change, and it makes us uncomfortable, and it leaves us unsettled. And what do we do? We push back, and we say, if only. Why is this going on? And yet in the book of Hebrews, we have read and heard and listened over and over again how Jesus comes, and he is the anchor in the storm. He is the one who throughout the book of Hebrews, God has said that he is unchanging. And he is a priest after the order of who? Melchizedek. Well, who in the world is he? He is that priest that showed up without an ending, without beginning. And Jesus comes to us in that order. A priest, our high priest, who has no beginning and no end. And in a world where everything is changing, 
where your life and my life, we don't know from day to day what is going to happen. And it terrifies us, and it leaves us troubled and discouraged and despairing, and we, and we run to everything else trying to find the right answer, the right fix to the change that's happening in my life. And there's only one that we can run to, and that's who this season, that's who this book, that's who it is all about. The one who by his fingers created the world and by his word everything is held together. And by him all things consist and move and have their being. His name is Jesus. That babe we celebrate in the manger. You may be saying, well, wasn't he born then? What do you mean he's been there all along? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And John goes on to say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, but He was before. He was the obedient Son, part of the Trinity. God the Father sent His only begotten Son because He loved you, because He loved the world. And so today, as we look at this, as we think about Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus Christ, the author says, not Jesus, not Christ, but Jesus Christ, using both his earthly name and his heavenly title, both the Savior and the Messiah, both the one who is identifying with us as human, but also God. And so here we come right back to Scripture, and we just hang on to every word. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Think about your memories. Jesus was there. Today, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, today, Jesus is here in all of his power and glory. Everything else is subject to change. And forever. Curtis and Corey gave us a glimpse this morning of the forever. Pretty incredible stuff. But Jesus doesn't change. He is eternally from past, present, and future. He's eternally reliable because he is continually unchangeable. Don't you wish there was just one person in your life who didn't change? And of course, it would be the best person right now in your, in your windscreen, okay? If that person, if he or she, just would never change, life would be perfect. Would it? No, because you change. Don't you? I sure do. But you can rely on Jesus Christ. And God sent him, and he declared him to us by angels saying, Peace on earth. Are you here this morning and you're lacking peace? Who do we need to turn to? The one who never changes. The one who is the same. Jesus Christ. He came to bring you peace. Friends will change and sometimes let you down. But your, and your dearest loved ones change. I've talked with people this week in the coffee shop who've lost a loved one or, or they've gotten, someone has gotten cancer or they've gotten dementia or they've, they've grown older and, and suffering from all kinds of diseases because we, our bodies just deteriorate. It's appointed to us all to die once. And in that time, we go through this 
smear out of, of all kinds of experiences. But the point to our life in following Jesus is that he doesn't change. He will always be someone who is faithful to you and dependent for you as your Savior. You can always count on Jesus. Jesus is the key to our living the Christian life. No matter whether you're in conflict this morning, no matter whether you're frustrated, whether you're going through some type of disease, all these things make us want to push back and say, where is God in all of this? And he allows those so that we will press in and find him because he's here. He's there. So that's the first thing that I'd like to share with you is that Jesus doesn't change. And as we look at these verses here this morning, the second one, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. And let's just look at that. Christ alone is all we need. That's what it's saying. Jesus is enough. There are all kinds of teachings out there. All you got to do is get online and go to self-help or go to look up anything. And what do you find? Something new. Some discovery, something that will make your life right again. What does the Word of God say to, to the, the Hebrews that he's writing to? It says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Because guess what they do? They change. New research has discovered that something that you believed in for the last 10 years is now bad for you. Drinking coffee. Milk chocolate, dark chocolate. I'm saying all my vices, okay? You know, uh, eating some honey. Uh, one beer a day. Too much beer, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. The research goes on all the time. But let's go to the spiritual realm. All you have to do, folks, we are spiritual. Just look at all of the different types of movies that have come out in the last year. And how many of them deal with the spiritual realm. Trying to figure out what's going on. And even there's been a run, you know, Exodus and Noah and, and some of these other uh, faith-type movies where there's a different twist on it. And people come to me with all kinds of questions. Did that really happen? Did, did Noah really try to kill his granddaughter in the ark? You know, and, and all this kind of stuff, okay? But these are diverse teachings. But there's one teaching, folks, that they aren't changed. And that's why the writer to the Hebrews says, watch out for your leaders and imitate those who are godly, those who are teaching the truth of Jesus Christ. And may God help me teach the truth of Jesus Christ, because it's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about Phil. It's not about any one of us. It's about Jesus, and he is enough, and he does not change. And so when you hear these different things coming to you over the media, whether it's TV, Internet, whatever it is, Facebook, that's a great one, okay? They're always trying to tell you what to think on Facebook, right? Okay, I see. What am I supposed to be thinking about this week? Um, let's see. They had another debate somewhere along the line this week, okay? And I'm supposed to be thinking a certain way about the politicians, okay? But then if I looked on your website, maybe they'd be telling me a different way to think about the politicians because maybe you're of a different persuasion. Things change. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he alone is all you need. Watch out for these strange teachings. You'll, if you want to hear something, you can find it. And we have, we have a heart that's deceitful and desperately wicked, and it wants us to hear something that really agrees with how we're thinking. And sometimes we read and study the Word of God, and it doesn't really line up with how we want it to, and we say, man, I just don't like that. But you know what? My Heavenly Father 
impressed upon the people who wrote this book. And all Scripture, he says, is, is breathed by him and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that I and you might be complete, mature, growing. Now, can you look at any of the other teachings and, and philosophies out there and say, this is going to make me mature and complete and, and bring joy? You might say that, but, but I challenge you to, if you test it out, you won't find that because Jesus is enough. And God so loved the world, a perfect God, all-powerful God, so loved the world that who did he send on, what, on this date that we celebrate? He sent his only begotten son, announced by angels to bring peace. But wait a minute. I don't read that much. I don't listen to that much stuff. I, I'm not really interested in teachings, but food, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a vegan. I'm a, I'm a something else. I, you know, food is really important. What does it say here? It goes on to say, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Isn't it interesting how our culture is trying to be healthy? Our culture is trying to be just live forever. Eat this, don't eat that. Did you know that, that this is in that food and that and that and this and that and such? But folks, if you give your interest to food, guess what? You're going to wind up with indigestion, aren't you? You're going to wind up empty, hungry. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't care for our bodies, because the Bible does say that we need to regard our bodies as a temple. It is important. But that's what the Word of God says. We don't have to go to some health guru somewhere to figure that out. It's in here. But why is it in here? Because our bodies do not belong to us. Our bodies have been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ, who is the same and who came to do away with the dominion of the devil. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to be a shepherd. He came to serve. And that is what the Bible tells us. And it's by his grace. And I kind of jumped over that, but I, di I was, uh, did it so that I could talk about food. But let's go back. It says, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. And where does grace come from? Grace is a gift from God that is not something that we can conjure up at all. You want to talk about gifts this Christmas? Talk about marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. That's an incredible gift. And it is through God's grace that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And it is by grace that we are saved. And it is by grace that we have the power to walk daily in him. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but by grace that has come through Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross. It's incredible. But Jesus is all we need. And that's what we see here over and over again in this passage as we look at it. And, and we go on from that just a little bit to the next one. And it gets kind of heavy here, and I'll try to unpack it for you a little bit. But verse 10 says, We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. What is he talking about? We have an altar where for those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Well, maybe it helps me out if I read the next verse. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place before which the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify people through his own blood. What in the world is he talking about? Let me 
try to unpack it for you very briefly. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Go back to where the sacrifice system was implemented, where God told Moses and Aaron that they needed to bring offerings for sin, sacrificial offerings, bloods and uh, bulls and goats and, and lambs and things like that. And they had to bring them often when they sinned. They had to bring a sin offering. And that animal had to be sacrificed. Blood had to be spilt and put on an altar. Now, I started out talking to you about Bethlehem, a place where the lambs were raised for the sacrifices that were brought to Jerusalem. And in Bethlehem was born on this day long ago, not this day, but, you know, the day that we call Christmas, was born long ago a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And John the Baptist, when he looked up and saw Jesus one day coming towards him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So there's this connection between the lambs and the Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ. And so we're going to go into this passage a little bit more. It says, We have an altar. Well, lambs were offered <coughs> excuse me, on an altar from which those who serve the tent, those who serve the tent, those were the priests that... that took care of the tabernacle. And this was that traveling place where God would come down and meet with his people. And when he would come down and they would offer sacrifices and the smoke would rise to God, and it, it was very orchestrated, done very much in obedience with the laws that you find in Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and those books there. And I encourage you to read them this Christmas when you have nothing else to do, okay, because you'll understand a whole lot more what I'm talking about. But the idea being it was all laid out very clearly what they needed to do for, because they were sinful, because they had missed the mark, just like we have missed the mark. So we go forward into the New Testament and we find Jesus, who is all we need. He is better than any sacrifice that ever happened. That's who we're talking about today. He is the one who is the same yesterday. He was perfect. Today, he's perfect. Forever he is perfect, and he was the perfect Lamb of God. He took your place on the altar, on the cross. He died. He shed his blood for your sin and for mine. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. Ooh, don't say that. Yes, I will say that because the Word of God says that all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. There's none righteous. No, not one. And so we need someone to take our place before a holy, right, righteous, almighty God. And Jesus went to this altar of sacrifice for us. And so what the writer is saying here is, We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Okay, let me tell you about that. This stuff being taken outside the camp before Christ came. Once a year, they would take two goats outside the camp. One was a scapegoat, and the priest would pray over his head and send him off into the desert. The other one, they would cut the throat, and it would be the sin sacrifice. And that blood was sprinkled on the altar, on the horns of the altar. These two goats were dealt with outside the camp because they carried symbolically all of the sin of the nation of Israel. So when that happened, it was taken care of outside the camp, and even the carcass was burned outside the camp. Where was Jesus crucified? Outside the city, 
on a place of the skull. He was taken outside the camp and wholly consecrated, given, sacrificed on the cross. They didn't know they were sacrificing, but Jesus knew that he went there for you and I. The perfect sacrifice. The one man to die for the sins of the whole world. That's our king. That's Jesus who we worship as a baby in a manger. That is the one who formed the foundations of the world, who came and walked among us incarnate, became a servant for you and I, a servant that went to the cross and became the perfect sacrifice. And he is also the one who rose from the dead and has ascended into heaven and is eternally at the right hand of God interceding for you and I. His work on the cross on the altar is finished. And he reigns forever. Amen? He is the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when your friends are changing and your health is changing and your food is changing and your news is changing, who remains the same? Jesus does. And that is why we must at Christmas times take a step back from all the busyness and everything else that's changing and how much pocket is how much money is going out of our pocket and how much change we got left and everything else. And we need to come to this place where we worship the king because he alone in all this hustle bustle of our world and in your life does not change. And you know what he does? He loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his life for you. But he had power to rise from the dead. And he rose again. And that same spirit that raised him from the dead is offered to you and I to live within us, to raise us also from the, uh, being dead in our trespasses and sin and to give us new life and to give us a new hope and take us someday to glory, to live eternal, eternally with our Savior and Lord and our older brother, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you comfortless. I will return. But until I do, I'm sending the comforter, the spirit, my spirit. And he will teach you the things of God. He has given us his word. He has given us his spirit to live within us. And he is the same God who has come to put to death the dominion of the devil. Then, now, and forever. And we are in that process. We are observers of what's going on. And yet often our eyes turn inward or they turn towards each other or they turn somewhere else beside the one who does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people, set them apart, save them through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Folks, that's Christmas encapsulated. Let's, let's start at the back and back through it. Why do we give gifts? Well, because we want to get something back. Some of us do. But that's not the real reason that we started giving gifts in the first place. We give gifts because 
we are commanded to do, not to neglect to do good and to share what we have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Why? Because it, it is symbolic of what Christ did for you and I, what God did for you and I, by sending his son as a baby to come take our place, the greatest gift of all, the greatest gift that brings us eternal life. What a gift, amen? We can say, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And we should often, we should sing that year-round somehow, maybe not those exact lyrics. And when we give gifts, when you give gifts to your loved ones and those maybe you don't love but you feel like you got to give them a gift anyway, remember that do it as unto the Lord. Doing it in symbolic that Christ gave me an unspeakable gift, a gift that has no value because it's, it can't, value cannot be placed upon it. It is so valuable. That's what I mean by when I said no value. It, it's more than value infinite value. That's better. So this morning, when we think about what's going to happen this week, my prayer is that you will have joy in your heart as you give gifts because of what Christ, our unchangeable, unshakable, all-powerful, almighty Savior has done for us. And then it also goes to say, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Wow. What is the fruit of our lips? To acknowledge Him. To give that sacrifice of praise to God. God doesn't want your Christmas present. He wants your heart. To offer up to Him this sacrifice of praise because of all that He has done. And I have just scratched the surface this morning of some of the things that He has done. Well, you know, if we think about forever, the Bible says that our eyes have not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him this morning? Can you imagine what heaven will be like? No, you can't. Because eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, neither has it entered into our hearts. But trust me, folks. If God can pull off the stunt that he did to send his son through a virgin Mary, born in a, in a stable, seen by shepherds, declared by angels who walked the earth and, and did what he did, did the miracles that he did, and died on a cross yet rose again, what is heaven going to be like? It's going to be pretty incredible. And Jesus is going to be there the Lamb of God who takes away my sin, your sin, and the sin of the world. He is going to be front and center. Wow. So folks, Christmas, Merry Christmas. Jesus Christ is born, come to earth, incarnate to walk among us, to show us the love of God, to give us a glimpse. And what did he say the whole time he was here? But I've only come to do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And what does he charge us to do here? But let's just let our lips praise him. Let's keep our eyes on him so that when we see something new coming, we are not tempted to follow it because it's change, and I like change because I'm bored. Folks, Jesus Christ is all you need. He is the one who separated, it, who was separated from God because of your sin and mine. So the final thing I want to see, say here is, is go to Jesus. If you're frustrated, if you're afraid, 
if you're in conflict, those things that push you away from people, push you away from God, because that's where the enemy wants you to go. He wants to divide. He wants to conquer. He wants to destroy everything. And yet Jesus says, come, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's one of my favorite verses. Because I'm an anxious person by nature. I get all worked up, and my wife's just as calm as she can be. And I'm, you know, I'm the hare, she's the tortoise, okay? And God put us together to complete us and remind me by my wife that, guess what? He's got this, and he's got you. Does that mean that you're going to walk out of here and everything's going to be good? No, it doesn't. But in those times, press in. Go to Jesus. This week we watched Perry Noble, and one of the things that he said was, you know, when, when, when you're frustrated, when, when you're in conflict, come to Jesus. When you're tempted to push off and be frustrated and, and go the other way, come to Jesus. And he gave this illustration that I thought was awesome. And I know it's talking about an Easter situation. Remember Thomas? What was Thomas's character trait? He doubted. Anybody here doubting what I'm talking about this morning? Maybe you are. And I, I pray that, that you'll give it a second thought. Thomas walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He saw Jesus provide the food. He saw Jesus tell Peter to get a, a shekel out of a fish's mouth to pay taxes. Thomas saw it all. And he saw Jesus on the cross, arms stretched out, nailed. He saw him die. And when he heard his fellow disciples saying, Jesus rose again, Thomas said, yeah, right. When I see the nail prints and put my hand in the side, then I'll believe. A week went by. Can you imagine how much doubt Thomas had during that time? Kind of like you and I. In the course of a week, God, where are you? <laughs> Jesus showed up in the middle of a locked room. Thomas was there. And Jesus said, Thomas, you big dummy. How come you're doubting? No, he, he just didn't, didn't rebuke him at all. What did Jesus say? Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Come. Put your fingers in my palms. Put your hand in my side and believe. Where are you this morning in all of this Christ child stuff? Are you with Thomas saying, I don't know if it's really true. What good can a baby Jesus in a manger do me? And I believe Jesus, if he could speak this morning to you, would say, stop doubting and believe. Press in. Come. I don't change. I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly. And if you're here this morning and you're hurting and you're weary and you're afraid, or maybe you're doubting. Come. Come to Jesus today. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Father, you know our hearts. You know where we're at in this Christmas season. 
You know our lives. You know everything about us. Yet you loved us, and you love us so much without end. And Lord, for each person here this morning, I just want to pray for them. I ask, Father, that you would just move mightily in their lives, encourage their hearts. And Lord, if there's anybody here this morning who wants to just come to you and say, God, I want to place my trust, my faith in you today because I'm believing that you're the same and you came to save me. I just want to give that opportunity. If that's you today, I'd just like to invite you to raise your hand. Is there anybody here that wants to just say, God, I need to trust you. Here I am. Anybody here today? All eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Just between you and the Lord. Father, you know our hearts. And I just ask, Father, that you would work in a mighty way. As we celebrate this season, Lord, draw us to yourself and may we surrender to you. Father, may we run to you. May we be like the shepherds and worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your word and that you are the same and that we can bring a sacrifice of praise and you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. As you sit here and think about this, I'd like to ask uh, Kevin and Dee to come and, and sing for us. Back past that. Because the Lord tells us in his word that long before Christmas, long before Christ was born, you heard this a little earlier, in the beginning, way back in the unbegun beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And you know, that's what Christmas is. Christmas is the time when Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh. He took a body just like this one, maybe a little younger, and maybe he didn't eat quite as much, but it was just like this body. The Christmas story is a great story. Listen as we read it. And we're going to excerpt a couple different sections, but just listen to the story and let your mind be engaged in it. Listen carefully, kids, as we talk about the coming of Jesus at Christmas. First, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, saying, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that baby that was inside her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name, what's his name? Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. A little bit later, Luke tells us this, all about the story of how Jesus came. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, he was the king, and he said that, all of you people need to come so that I can have your name. You can be registered, and I can know who you are and where you live. And so they all went to be registered. Each one went to his own town. And Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Does that sound familiar? You ever heard of Bethlehem before? Okay. Because... He was of the house or of the family of David, and that's where David had lived, to be registered with Mary, his wife soon-to-be, who was with child. 
And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And about that time, in that area, in that same area of the world, there were shepherds out in their flock, out, out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being out on a quiet night and an angel coming to you and saying this, uh, that, uh, that the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel uh, with the angels, a multitude of a heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then the angel went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds began to talk, and they said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord's made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. You know, that's the story that Ron told us, the yesterday, the today and forever, but this is the yesterday part where you guys were practicing he told us about Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, you know, Jesus, someday, someday, people are going to see him different. They're not going to see him like a little baby the next time. Because someday, God's word tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so the next time we see him, he's not going to be a baby and it won't be a manger and there won't be shepherds. The next time we see him, he's going to be our Lord. Do you think the Lord would be pleased this morning if we just said happy birthday to him? If we remembered his birthday and said happy birthday, how about we do that? Let's just tell the Lord happy birthday, Jesus. Can we do that? Okay. Happy birthday, Jesus. Do you remember when people tell you happy birthday? Do you like it? Yeah. Do you think the Lord's happy when we remember his birth and tell him happy birthday? And could we say, Lord, we are really glad that you came at Christmas.